Dean, how are you doing? Uh, so good to be here, and uh, I am really glad that you are here. So uh, Zach, our worship leader, and Kyle, who just did the hosting there, we're, uh, we're old friends. We've been friends for a long time. So we used to do a thing together in student ministry where we put on a retreat every spring, and, uh, and we did it for like 13 years or something like that. And a lot of those years, it was this weekend, daylight savings time, spring forward, Weekend, And so what would happen is we would get together 200 high school students and we would take them to a camp for a retreat. And then it would be Saturday night and teenagers want to stay up all night Saturday night. And then come Sunday morning when you lose an hour, it was just terrible. It was just like the worst idea ever. And so Zach and I were actually kind of joking this morning that... uh, as bad as today might be, getting up and losing an hour and stuff, at least it's not that. And so, uh, you know, you didn't spend last night with 200 high schoolers, so uh, you, you got that to look forward to. Um, but I am really glad that you're here, and, uh, and I'm really excited about this morning because we are kind of wrapping up our Wind and Fire series, the Holy Spirit series. And, and for me personally, it has been really, really good. Uh, I've really appreciated the messages that Nathan and Rick have brought for us, and I get to kind of put the bow on it, and uh, I'm really excited about that. So through this series, we've talked about the person, the promise, the power, and now this morning, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so as we kind of think about that and, uh, and just kind of wrap our minds around that, those are the things that we've talked about specifically regarding the Holy Spirit, right? We've talked about who he is in the person, and we've talked about Jesus' promise that he makes that he's coming, and we talked about the power last week of the Holy Spirit, and this week, today, we're going to talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Our big idea that we have this morning is this idea that don't resist the voice of the Holy Spirit. See, we believe that the presence of the Holy Spirit is this indwelling of God. And he is speaking to us. And that's kind of hard for us to understand, but he's prompting us. And we're going to talk more about that today, but but we don't want to we don't want to ignore the prompting that the Holy Spirit has in our life. On the night that Jesus was crucified, he met with his closest followers. He knew that they were frightened and he knew what was about to happen, his death on a cross. So he drew them close, and he wanted them to know that even though they might feel alone, that they were not alone. You are not alone. And maybe you come here today, and no matter what you hear or kind of what we say, maybe you just needed to come this morning, and maybe you just needed a reminder that no matter what you're going through, no matter how tough your week has been, no matter what you've got going on, A reminder that you are not alone. You are not alone. And that has a lot to do with the promise of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus puts it this way in John chapter 14. We're going to read a uh, quite a few scriptures, passages, and, uh, and they're all, most of them, not all of them, most of them are in the book of John uh, around chapters 14, 15, 16. And so if you've got a Bible, I encourage you to turn it to John chapter 14. And what I want to do is I want to read just an excerpt from John 14, verse 18. This is what Jesus says to his followers right before he's about to be arrested. He says, I will not leave you 
as orphans. This is the message that Jesus has for his followers. He says, look, I'm not going to leave you alone. When we leave our kids, let me just pause for a second. Uh, Man, let me just tell you that that's an amazing thing to roll off of my tongue. Uh, I'm in a phase of life right now where I can leave my kids at home alone by themselves. I don't know if you're in that phase or not. I've got a 15-year-old in a week. I'll have another a 14-year-old daughter. So I've got a 15 and a 14-year-old daughter. I've got a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old son. And now we're at the place where Katie and I can just leave and we can leave them there and uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, and so let me just tell you, if you're not there yet, here's a couple things really quick, all right? It'll be here before you know it, so don't like wish it to be here soon. It'll be here soon enough. It, it'll come really, really fast. And number two, it's amazing, all right? It just is. We don't have to worry about babysitters and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, but, but when we leave our kids, they still want to know some things when we're walking out the door. Where are you going? When will you be home? And who's in charge? All right? I don't know if you've ever kind of felt like that, but you're leaving your kids, and uh, where are you going, and when are you going to be back? Okay? Those are the questions that come out of their mouth all the time. I do the same thing every time I'm walking out the door when I'm going to leave my kids alone. I always say, I'm running to church or wherever that I'm going, and I say, I'll be back in a few hours, and then I say, hey, Jack, you're in charge. Now, now Jack is our youngest, and he loves this joke. And maybe that's because he doesn't really know that it's a joke. But, but Mackenzie and Olivia, my two teenage daughters, they don't think it's funny at all. All right? And, uh, and so we're not much different than kids when it comes to Jesus. When Jesus says he's about to leave, his followers want to know, where are you going? When will you be back? Who's going to take care of us, right? They've spent the last three years in the presence of, of Jesus. And he says, I'm going to be leaving you, but I won't leave you alone as orphans. And man, that that just opens up all these questions that they have. All these questions. Jesus tells his followers, says, I'm going to be with the Father. That's where he's going. He's going to be with the Father. And then he says, he says, no one knows the hour that I'll return. Try using that with your kids, all right? When you're coming back, no one knows the hour that we're coming back. All right? He, no one knows. That's what Jesus says. And he says, uh, he says, but I will return. I will come back for you. But while I'm gone, you will not be alone, he says. I will not abandon you like orphans. When I leave, another will come. And he will be with you. And he will watch over you. And he will help you right when you need it. This is where Jesus promises the presence of the Holy Spirit to be in their lives. Now, if you put yourself in the disciples' shoes, this may at first not be real comforting, right? I mean, they had become very used to being with Jesus, walking with him and being in his presence every day. The idea of Jesus leaving and anyone else trying to take his place In their life, and you can understand why that wasn't really comforting, right? I mean, this promise that Jesus offers, it didn't make them feel good in the moment. I mean, just just remember back with me. When they were on the boat and the storms come, who was with them? 
Jesus. And what happened? Jesus calmed the storm. He took care of them in their moment, and he, and he protected them. When they were with the crowd, and they'd been teaching all day, and they run to the end of the evening, and they realize that they hadn't eaten, Jesus takes a boy's lunch, and he turns it into a meal for everyone. Jesus provided for them. He brought them comfort when, he, when they needed it. But very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking in John 16. He says, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Did you you hear what Jesus said there? He says, it is good for you that I'm going away. Jesus says that I'm better, it's better if I leave. Jesus tells him, it is better if I go away. How? How is it better? How could it possibly be better for Jesus to leave and the Holy Spirit to come? How is that better? Let me tell you how it's better. God in you is better than God with you. Do you hear that? That God in you is better than God with you. God's presence inside you is better than God's presence beside you. Jesus wants them to understand that he was not leaving them alone. He was not leaving them as orphans. This isn't easy to grasp. It's, it's not easy to understand. See, when Jesus was here on earth, he was in one fixed location at a time. And a lot of that time was spent with his disciples face to face. But he could only be in one place at one time. When he leaves and goes back up to heaven and the promise of the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus' presence in our life, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's now everywhere. He's in all of us simultaneously. And so while Jesus' presence was in one fixed location while he was here on earth, the Holy Spirit is living in all of those who have claimed Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that is a promise that has hope. I often think back to the events from the Bible, thinking that one day I would love to ask some of the biblical heroes some questions, right? Like, what was it like? Maybe Moses. What was it like to be in the presence of God? Walking up that mountain and being handed those tablets. What was it like to be in God's presence. But maybe Moses would respond, and I had to climb a mountain to meet with God. What is it like to walk with him every day? What is it like to have God living inside you? What is that like? That's what Moses would want to ask us. Or maybe Elijah. Elijah, what was it like when God showed up on that day at Mount Carmel in front of the prophets of Baal? What was that like? And Elijah would want to know, what was it like to have the presence of God living in you all the time? Elijah would talk about his bouts of depression and would want to know, what was it like in those seasons where he felt down to have the comfort of God living in you? Not just with you. 
This series, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. God's presence inside you is better than God's presence beside you. This series isn't just about learning about the Holy Spirit, but experiencing the Holy Spirit. Last week, Rick talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, and today we continue that conversation about what the presence of the Holy Spirit means for us, what he specifically provides. And and I I can only kind of describe this as the Holy Spirit effect. When I read through Scripture, some of the cool things that I see the Holy Spirit making an impact on, Take, for example, the life of Peter. Uh, in this section of John that we're reading, right after this, Jesus is arrested. And Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, is put in a situation where he's asked if he knows Jesus, the man who was just arrested. And Peter denies that he knows him. Three times. I didn't know the man. Fast forward about 50 days. Jesus has been resurrected. Jesus now ascends back up into heaven and he provides this promise of the Holy Spirit to be in their lives. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down and it lands on the apostles, Peter being one of them. And Peter gets up in front of a crowd of people that contains the men who arrested and hung Jesus on a cross. And he preaches the good news, the gospel message. What changed? Did Peter learn something that he didn't know before? Where did this new courage come from? I'd say that it came directly from the presence of the Holy Spirit in Peter's life. The Holy Spirit changes things. The Holy Spirit's presence makes a difference in the world. And so we want to take a look at not all the things the Holy Spirit does, but some of the things that the Holy Spirit can do in us. First thing that it can do is that it convict us of our sin. He convicts us of sin. In John 16, 8, it says this, When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Here Jesus reminds us of the Holy Spirit's role in convicting us of sin and our need for a Savior in our life. There's a phenomenon that happens when certain people are in our presence. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. So let me, let me kind of try to explain it to you. Back in the 90s, when I was a teenager and in college, we would go see movies with our friends. There wasn't any Netflix and stuff, and so we would go to the theater quite a bit to try to see something. And, you know, we would go see a movie that we thought was good, hanging out with our buddies or whatever. And uh, like six months later, we would go to this place called Blockbuster. Are you familiar with this? Um, if you don't know what it is, you have to ask your parents, okay? And we would get these VHS tapes of the movie that we had seen earlier in the theater, and then you could take them home. And this is what would happen. I'd go see a movie in the theater. We liked it. You know, you saw it with your friends, and you would bring it home. And now you've got this... VHS tape, and you're going to play it, and uh, maybe it's a movie night with your mom and dad and everybody, and uh, so you put the movie in, and you're watching this movie, and all of a sudden, things that you weren't aware of when you saw it the first time, you start to be aware of, right? Like, you just find yourself saying things like, ugh, sorry mom, Uh, I don't remember this language when I saw it with my buddies, and now... 
in the presence of your mother, things that you didn't notice before become really awkward. Anybody else ever experience this? This experience, this, this phenomenon that happens that her presence in the room, her moral authority, her, you know, person that raised you, scenes become embarrassing and you're just like ducking your head, you're turning red, you're like oh, apologizing, trying to fast forward. Maybe I got the wrong tape, mom. I don't know what happened. It changes things. Her presence in the room makes an impact. Things that were no big deal now become a big deal. The presence of the Holy Spirit changes things. Things we didn't notice before. Things that we let slide before. Things that we rationalized before. The Holy Spirit now convicts us of. Things that we thought weren't a big deal. Now we realize they're a big deal. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is that he convicts us of the sin in our life. One of the other things the Holy Spirit does is that he comforts us in trouble. John fourteen sixteen says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Some translations use that word advocate and use comforter. John fourteen sixteen tells us this promise that the Holy Spirit will be with us and will be our helper. When you hurt so bad, you don't know how you'll face the next day, He's a helper. When you feel lonely, you are not alone. There's a big difference. Lonely is a phase. Lonely is a feeling. Lonely has a limit. But you are not and never have been alone. When you're frustrated or tired of the pain and the disappointment that's going on in your life, he is a comforter. He's a wind of comfort and presence. The word there is paraclete, and it means to draw up alongside. What you face now, you will not face forever. And the promise is, I will be in you to remind you of this promise. He is in us, and he comes alongside, and he comforts us. And there's this promise that he will not leave us alone. Right? That just because you're going through a season of life where you feel alone, and I'm not saying you don't, that is real. You feel alone. The promise that we have to hold on to, the promise that we have to grip tight to, is the promise that Jesus makes that you are not alone, even in the midst of feeling alone. It's a promise of hope. So he convicts us of our sins and he comforts us in times of trouble and he confirms our salvation. Take a look with me. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Right? We are called children of God because we have the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I love that word seal, right? 
A wax seal on a letter shows ownership and authenticates that the author wrote the letter. Maybe you've seen that in a movie where they take like the, uh, the wax and they warm it up and they, they put it on the envelope and they take that seal, whether it's a ring or a stamp, and they mark it. And now that letter is closed and sealed with that wax seal that says the man who owns or the woman who owns that seal wrote the letter. It authenticates it. It shows ownership. It's real. It's legitimate. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Maybe you need to know today that the Holy Spirit is a seal that says you belong to God. It is a promise that your salvation is intact. He comes with the promise. Here's what I want you to hear today. The Holy Spirit gives us access to these things. Conviction, comfort, confirmation. We want you to be more aware of the Holy Spirit in your life. He is a promise to all those who take on Christ in baptism. Now, I remember one of my first trips that I took to Haiti. It was in 2011. And one of the first things that we did on this trip was that we went to a church service that happened on Tuesday night. And so one of the customary things that we would do is that our American team would come up on the stage during the church service and we would introduce ourselves. So, you know, there's like 40 of us. And so we would all kind of step, take a step forward. Hi, my name is Kevin. And then once we all got done, you know, they would, and they would repeat back to say, in English, they'd say, hi, Kevin. And so we would do that whole thing. And then we had a song prepared that we were going to sing for them in English, because that's the only language that most of us know. So we're going to sing this song for them in English. And, uh, and so we're, we begin singing, and, uh, and it takes a few minutes But they begin to catch on to the melody of the song and they figure out what the song is that we're singing. And so while we're singing in English, it starts in these small little pockets, but then it grows and it grows. And they begin singing back to us, along with us, in Creole. And there's just this this fusion of English and Creole in worship until it's just one song being sung. And if you've ever been in a place where you've experienced something like this, you know how powerful it is. And especially to feel it and experience it for the very first time. And so as I'm in the midst of this singing, goosebumps on my arms. The hair on the back of my neck is standing up. And in that moment, I am aware of the presence of, of the Holy Spirit in that place. Now his presence isn't always like that. But it was undeniable in that moment. He was there. He's always in me. Always. Even when I feel like I'm alone. Even when I feel like I'm abandoned. Even when I'm in my deepest valley. He's there. And what he wants is for me to be more aware of his presence. And in moments like that, on that stage, singing, I was fully aware. And my eyes were open to the Holy Spirit in my life. 
some of the reasons that we don't quite feel the Holy Spirit all the time, where we can feel like that God is far away. Where are you, God? Why, why have you left me in this place? Why have you abandoned me? Some of the reasons that that happens is because when the Holy Spirit shows up, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, when the Holy Spirit nudges us, we just keep saying no. We just keep ignoring him. And he gets quieter and quieter until it's just a whisper because we've been ignoring him for so long. We've been pushing him down for so long. And what he wants is he wants full access. He wants to be the guiding force in our life. And he wants our eyes to be open that he is there. Paul puts it this way. He warns us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. He says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not extinguish the Spirit. We can live in such a way where we resist the Spirit over and over again, that we stifle the Spirit. It's leading in our life. And we, what he wants is for us to choose to live in step. To live in step with the Spirit. So what we want you to be aware of today is that the Spirit is a promise. And he has power. And we want you to be aware of his presence in your life. And so, if you're like me, there's moments where we've been pushing the Holy Spirit aside. He's been speaking, he's been nudging, he's been leading, and we've been ignoring. And we've been trying to live this life on our own. We've been trying to go through these moments without him. And we need to surrender. And we need to give up control. And we need to have our eyes open to a reawakening that the Holy Spirit is here. And so today, during our final song, we're going to do something a little bit different. In a moment, we're going to have some people come forward and just line the front of the stage. And while we're worshiping, while we're standing, we're going to invite you to come forward and receive prayer. Not for the Holy Spirit, and not for more of the Holy Spirit, but that you might be aware of the Spirit's power and presence in your life. Because He wants to move in you. He wants to change you, and He wants to make you a child of God. The person that God wants you to be. But we've got to surrender, and we've got to let go. There's three areas that that you may need some prayer for, and these are just ideas. Maybe you need to come forward because you need a reawakening of the Holy Spirit, a rekindling of the flame. He's there, but man, you've been shutting him out for so long. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe there's some sin that he's been convicting you of and you've been ignoring. Maybe you need to remove some barriers. Maybe you need to refocus. Maybe you need to listen to where the Holy Spirit is leading. This is the essence of our prayer for you today. I want you to get this. It's not that I get more of the Holy Spirit, but that the Holy Spirit gets more of me.
That's our prayer. I can't give you more of the Spirit. We're not going to be praying for you to get more of the Spirit. But what we can pray for is that the Holy Spirit gets more of me. That gets more of you. More access. More awareness. More surrender. It says, where you're leading, I'm going to follow. Where you're going, that's where I want to go. The Spirit is the promise of Jesus to not leave us alone. And so right now, I'm just going to ask if those people who are going to be our prayer partners who just come down and line this front. And I want to be really clear. We're offering an invitation for you to come forward and to be prayed for while we're singing. Okay? So we don't do this very often. It's not, it's not every day that we do this, but somebody in here needs a prayer to be more aware of what the Spirit wants to do in their life. And so we're going to offer that. So I'm going to ask that you stand. Go ahead and stand up. And I just want to pray for you. And what I'm praying for is I'm praying for courage. I'm praying for courage for people to move because you know what you need. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place, God. And I pray for courage. Courage for people to move. Courage for people to take a stand. Courage for people to say, I need the Spirit's presence in my life and I need to pay attention to where he's leading. God, we pray that the Spirit might get more of us. More access. More surrender more following. God, thank you so much for Jesus who makes all of this possible. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.